You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Holly Murkerson. Holly, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Brainerd. Holly, you're in Chicago now. We're talking on November 18th in 2021. We're going to talk about your work, your shows. I'm, I'm also curious how the last year was for you in terms of your your practice. Um, what happened or, or how did that affect your, your practice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it. I, I work actually in a – I'm a photographer and I work, you know, with traditional analog processes and – actually make most of my work in a community darkroom here in Chicago um, called the Chicago Community Darkroom. Um, so, yeah, I think with restrictions in place and just kind of a general <laughs> sense of trying not to be in community spaces, um, I, I had to limit um, quite a bit how much I was able to, how much time I was able to spend in the darkroom. Um, so that was kind of a big change uh, over the last year. Um, I think now being vaccinated and all, it feels a little bit easier and, and more uh, safe to be there. So I, I have to so you, some more so you're, so you're able to access the darkroom now, and you, and you weren't over the a pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I, it, was, it was open once, like, Chicago restrictions were listed, lifted. Um, and then but for me, it was, you know, amount of assessing risk. Um, you know, I think I went there for a bit over the summer in 2020 as, like, numbers kind of started to come down. Um, obviously masked and, um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the time I go there and I am the only person working in the space. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to weigh that as well. But then as numbers went up again in the winter months, um, I stopped going again. And, um, and yeah, it, it prompted me to think about other ways that I could continue to, to work in that way or, or make things that are, all of my photographs are, are unique, um, and and so I ended up buying an instant camera <laughs> over the pandemic and have begun taking photographs like that, which has been nice. It's been sort of um, a source for some immediacy um, in the work by, you know, having taking a photograph and then being able to see it pretty immediately, which is usually the opposite of what I, I experienced so making the, my yeah, work. So let's talk about um, that because that's an analog, still an analog process. Is that a Polaroid or, or another type of what kind of instant camera are you using? Um, yeah, it's from Lomography. Um, uh, it's a, yeah, an instant camera that has like some manual functions available to it. Like I can do some double exposures and whatnot. Um, yeah, um, let's, but yeah, let's talk it's about pretty, that because right, there's Polaroid, there's Lomography. That's a whole line of cameras, isn't it? That that I don't know when that started, but that was kind of that's not that old, and it's a. Um, tell me a little bit about Lomography because I know a little bit about it. I walked into a store in the city once. Years ago, that was all lomography, and you see it in other stores. But, but what is it exactly? Um, I mean, I don't know a ton specifically about the brand. I think I was attracted to this camera just because it had some a, a little bit more controls. I think a lot of the instant cameras that are on the market currently are, you know, for for just fun at parties and um, are meant to be very straightforward to use. Um, so this doesn't, you know, do any of the like weird lens stuff. Um, it's 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 straightforward and as a camera um, in that sense. But um, but yeah, I was able. To, I'm able to kind of do a couple other things because I do tend to do some layering sometimes. Um, 
uh, you know, it's something I would do in the dark room is like compositing photos, and, and this camera allows me to do some of that in camera essentially um, while still getting, you know, a one-off unique uh, image as a result. So I want to talk about your, your silver prints and, and, and perhaps a past show, mm -hmm. but is, is this what you're working on now? Essentially, since the pandemic and, and at the moment in your studio, is it um, lomography and, uh, and, and printing that? I mean, you don't print that. That's, that's, that's instant film. Um, is, is that primarily mm -hmm. what you're working with now or that in combination? Um, yeah, I would say that in combination. I'm still, um, you know, I don't know, very much um, still very excited about the process of working in a dark room. And, um, you know, I, I, I leave a lot of room for surprise. Um, you know, I'm often, yeah, compositing multiple negatives together and then um, sometimes doing some photogramming on top of the image. So there's a lot of uh, chance operation happening in my work. Um, and that still is like very exciting to me. So it has been nice to, to get back into the dark room a bit. Um, but it's it's nice to have this added uh, thing to my practice that kind of came out of um, some restrictions from the pandemic. Um, but yeah, the silver gels and a lot of those images um, are are based in uh, from images I've made in the environment. Um, I mean, landscape, I guess, is a category that I could fit into, um, although I would say most of my images are sort of don't really reference the horizon line. They're really these, like, intimate, up-close um, spaces um, that I kind of encounter with my camera. And then, you know, I'll often then take back into the, the dark room and do some collaging and photogramming and um, end up with these, you know, unique images that are um, you know, a bit of a surprise to me too, which keeps me, um, you know, forever seeking um, in the in the studio. Right. Let's talk about that process a little bit because we're we're talking about analog processes. You know, I, I've interviewed different photographers here, um, and and there's always a range. Some people are still using, you know, large format cameras and and, and making mm -hmm. uh, silver prints. Um, what's why are you using that? So some photographers, of course, are also, have mm -hmm. moved entirely to digital or, 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 you know, kind of hybrid aspect of that. Why for you is, um, is the continuation of analog so important as opposed to, you know, making digital prints, for example? Yeah. Yeah, I I say I'm really attracted to like the the liquid aspects of analog photography. You know, of course, you have to have these like liquid trays of chemicals and um, and there's something to me about that conceptually that kind of plays into the work that I'm making that is uh, a bit more collaborative with perhaps the process and then the end results end up being indicative of that. Like they're, they're less about my control explicitly um, and my explicit authorship and more about the collaboration with being in the landscape and then the collaboration with the materials in the dark room um, and there's being a sort of a fluidity uh, between those states um, that's really interesting to me. And, and again, I think that slowness and that slow reveal that happens um, in the dark room is is endlessly fascinating. It, it creates a situation where, you know, I, I can be surprised by something. And I'm always surprised by how even the camera, um, you know, with its one eye essentially uh, sees things that I didn't see or it just is a, a different way of like noticing and looking and being present in a place um, that's 
Um, you know, of course, you can do that with a digital camera, but I think there's something in that um, latency uh, that is, is really interesting and, um, yeah, keeps me, keeps me coming back. That is interesting. And, and, and why silver prints? So let's talk a little bit about that because there's silver prints, but if we're talking about other processes, mm -hmm. there's also a platinum, right, and palladium and making your own emulsion. Um, how, how do you work? You're, you're, you're buying paper that's currently made, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's being yeah yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm buying paper, and um, I mean, I, I have done some color work as well, but really, um, I feel like I, I came to black and white just because it was it was far more accessible, and um, you know, found this great community space to be able to work in, and um, I have have yet to to hear about a, a color darkroom space in Chicago. Um, those you know seem to be becoming more scarce, but I, as I think I you know initially came to the silver gelatin for some practical reasons. Um, I think there was some things about form um, that came to the forefront and working in black and white that can get lost in color. And um, I think a lot of the images that I'm making kind of become these maybe slightly confused spaces, especially without like a horizon line to orient you and um, they can be very vertical and, and then also flat, and um, they hopefully sort of like take, I don't know, the viewer into not necessarily a place of discomfort, but uh, a one that's like seeking um, some kind of uh, orientation and then maybe manifesting in some ability to get lost in it a little bit. And black and white and the silver gelatin, I think, uh, does that really nicely in a way that color kind of introduces this other element that can orient one. Um, so yeah, I feel like it evolved out of, out of practicality at first, but has now become something that, you know, I think I've, I've started to specifically look, look for um, conceptually in the work. So let's talk about the work a little bit. We can, perhaps we can talk about the work from a show you had in 2020. Um, there was a, a number of works in there, um, and mm -hmm. obviously listeners can go to your website and see all of these, but like two halves make a whole, and one and one make three, or the titles of some of them in passage. These are the kind of images that you're talking about, right? These are silver gelatin prints, yeah. that are, uh, 16 by 20, and, and as you're saying, most don't have a horizon line. It, it, it looks like you can understand what's happening, but it's... Um, mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not clear where you are. But what is happening is there's an incredible range of tones, right? In, in, in these, you're going from kind of bright whites to to this whole range of, of, of blacks, which looks amazing. And 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 as you're saying, so that to, so to me, you know, from what I can see of those prints, there they must be beautiful to look at totally. You're saying also that there's a disorienting, an intentionally disoriented aspect to them because it's hard to to orient yourself as a viewer to this, right? Not understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I think even, you know, in something like one-on-one -on -one make three, you know, they're, they're inversions of each other. So there's kind of a symmetry going on, but there's, you know, essentially either side could be the top um, or the bottom. Um, and so there's this kind of like spiraling, I feel like that's happening in the center that, you know, maybe it's a little disoriented, even though you can tell, you know, with photography's specificity that, you know, it's water, it's waves, and, um, you know, there's something identifiable about that. Um, there's been this other disorientation happening. Um, and, 
Yeah, and I think, you know, and then something like uh, the two halves make a whole, the diptych, um, those, I think, yeah, there there is quite a tonal range in those, and to see them in person, um, you know, they're just images of water sort of cascading over this edge that I've um, had a few different shots of, and, um, I, you know, kind of uh, collage them to kind of overlap in the dark room, and there's very physical like dodging and burning happening um, that I'm using like more of my body um, and and those surfaces become kind of skin like and um, you know I think then there oh, I see so your body is body. It in, 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 in an almost performative way you're saying in the dark room you're dodging and burning mm-hmm. using your hands arms so this is mm-hmm. you know with the viewer can't know that of course but that's also you're saying what's what's creating a kind of uh, almost physical involvement for you with the images? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and in something like Passage or uh, Dissolving Boundary, maybe you can see those, like, really dark blacks are the result of um, of me physically laying on top of, you know, these sheets of paper, um, laying my whole body down in some cases and, um, you know, creating this photogram over top of the image after, you know, making multiple exposures with a negative. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's left still a little abstract, but I think sometimes you can, once you sort of know that, you can maybe start to see, like, oh, yeah, maybe that is an arm or a leg or, um, or, or some other, you know, reference to the body. And, um, yeah, I think that's been important in thinking about the work. And, and what are you using to, to, to make these images? These are 35 millimeter or, or, or large format? Um, a little of both, actually. I do have um, I do have a large format camera. When I sometimes make these um, studio constructions that are, are landscape like, um, that are kind of you know meant to be an embodiment of the places that I do encounter out in the real world, um, and those are often done with a large format uh, camera in studio. But then I uh, walking around, I have a, a 35 millimeter that allows me to be a little more nimble and um, uh, less. Uh, it calls less attention to myself because I have I have been out in the landscape with the four by five, but it's it's such a such a huge uh, and heavy <laughs> contraption, and and people are curious about it, and um, it it can kind of get in its own way um, in the landscape. So I I found working with a smaller camera has been has been a little I can be a little quieter um, in the spaces that I'm going to. A thirty five um, millimeter camera, you mean that? A thirty five millimeter, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so what's happening next? This is great talking about all of this and, and, and your images. Are, are you working towards a show now, or is there a specific body of work that you're working on? Is it, is it with nomography and those cameras, or is there something else happening at the moment? Um, yeah, I am working on um, – I've been invited to do a, a, a small solo show um, in a new project space, which I'm not sure if they've announced it yet, so I hesitate to, to talk too much about it, but I am working on a, a body of work um, to exhibit hopefully in the winter um, that well, I think will be a combination of some of the uh, smaller instant photographs. I, I've been working um, both in the landscape and then in the studio with the instant camera um, and then kind of setting them up in these pairings that have to do with a sort of symmetry between these two environments. Um, so I think, yeah, I've been working on those um, and we'll probably – 
have uh, some degree of silver gelatin in the in the show as well as sort of these maybe like keystone type images for the for entering entering all the work. Um, and and, and yeah, in the new in the new work, the instant work, is there a different? Uh, is the content different there? You're, you're you're following along the lines that we've been talking about about you know no horizon and almost disorientation. Um, obviously, there's no dodging and burning, but is the is the is the content or mm -hmm. images similar? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, the instant photos have allowed me to introduce some color, um, but sometimes there are multiple exposures in the landscape, and um, but they they tend to be yeah, like these really up close kind of intimate uh, views of of stone and water and you know cliff faces with cleavages in them, and you know these like undulating forms that sort of repeat. Um, Either in other forms in nature, or then um, within these studio constructions in, this, in um, you know these still lifes essentially. Um, so yeah, I would say they're it's kind of borrowing from the aesthetic I've been building on over the last few years, um, but on a smaller format. Well, that's exciting, Holly. It's it's great talking about this. I wish you well with your upcoming um, unnamed show that we can't write, mention yet. <laughs> if, if we can, it'll be included in the in the links here. Um, I wanted to ask sure. one more question, which is, what are what are you reading at the moment? Um, I recently finished a really great book by uh, Eula Biss uh, called "Having and Being Had" um, that I thought was really engaging, super fantastic, and and echoed a lot of my feelings about kind of uh, living within capitalism and being complicit in it and kind of that modern condition. Um, and yeah, it's it's it's. it's got a lot of entertaining um, moments to it. So it's an it's a, it's a enjoyable read, even though it's talking about some uh, serious topics. Well, thank you for that. And Holly, I want to thank you so much for your time and your work. Thanks for talking with me today. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been so nice to talk to you, Brandon. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.